Right. Um, well, the program tells you who I am. Um, I want to know if there's an ancient equivalent of Robin Hood. Because <laughs> I haven't got one. But uh, Classics for All is a sort of Robin Hood organization in that we look for donations from well-heeled people like yourselves and recycle them in grants to state schools to get classics, I, I would say, back into the state schools. Um, all of us here are well aware of the educational value of classics uh, in its various forms, and it has to be a national scandal that whereas 75% of independent schools teach classical subjects, uh, under 25% of state schools, and I'm talking secondary schools. The proportion of primary schools is infinitesimally small by comparison. Uh, of course, this used not to be the case, but there's been this massive decline over the years ever since um, the scandal started with the removal of um, Latin from the curriculum. Happily, uh, that is changed, and um, you'll be glad to know, if you didn't already, that Latin and Greek are modern foreign languages. <laughs> um, our grants uh, are essentially launch aid grants, so we don't want to pay uh, indefinitely for, uh, what we want to do is pay for classics uh, to get back into a school, Typically, we give money uh, which will go over two years, and it's always on the promise of sustainability, that at the end of that two years, it will be embedded. So far, so good. Um, and therefore, what the money goes on is retraining non-specialist teachers who maybe did Latin to GCSE, made sometimes A-level, are now, say, the head of English or foreign language, uh, French, whatever, and want to add another string to their bow. And so we will pay for that retraining, and we will pay for the replacement teacher while they're away, in order to get the thing rolling. Um, and we also pay for uh, a modest sort of honorarium to regional or local coordinators to sort of help lubricate the process. And the projects are in various forms. The most uh, simple version is if we simply give a grant to a school that wants to do something which is persuasive, <coughs> what I might call a one-off. Uh, sometimes we're working through universities. Oxford is an example. Um, more obvious examples, actually, I'll come back to the Oxford case in a minute, um, are Birmingham, Liverpool, Bristol. Sometimes uh, and in some ways most successful is where we will give a grant to a secondary school to then behave like a mother hen bringing on the local primary schools uh, as a cluster. And we've got two of those, one in Norfolk, one in um, Brighton and Hove area, um, which have been extraordinarily successful. Um, and then the th fourth kind of model is a very unusual thing that's happened where um, Boris Johnson set up as Mayor of London a thing called the London Schools Excellence Fund where different disciplines could bid and in classics we bid uh, jointly with Oxford, with UCL, with Birkbeck and crucially with B6, the thing that 
um, May mentioned earlier. It's called Brook House in Hackney, is it? Where is May gone? I can't yeah. Bless you. <laughs> uh, yes. It is in Hackney, I think. Yes. And we won a grant of, um, I say we, um, a consortium, a partnership called um, City Classics, Capital Classics. Uh, and actually Classics for All is in the driving seat of being the coordinator for that. Um, and it's on that project that the Wadham Summer School that was mentioned earlier um, is wound into that project. Um, and so if that's what we do, um, and we've only been going three or four years, I, not sure if I made that clear at the beginning. This is still a child, really. Um, so it's quite early days, and what I've been describing is what one might call the first round of projects. Uh, actually, we've been through two rounds, and we're currently um, uh, uh, deciding on applications for our third round, which will start in September this year. Um, so the question you would ask is, well, is it working? I mentioned that so far, all the projects look as though they are going to be sustainable. In other words, even when our money stops, which in some cases it has, the uh, subjects, often Latin, uh, ancient history, classical civilization, only in one case Greek, are being wound into the school program, um, often into the curriculum itself, sometimes by way of enrichment studies, enrichment program at the end of the school day. Um, the total amount of money that's gone through our hands um, is of the order of about 800,000. I can see we'll be up to a million at the end of the year. So it's not nothing, but not big. Um, we've got so far um, about 60 projects. I guess by the end of this year, we'll probably be up to 100 projects, which by project, I mean individual schools in the program. Some of the schools, obviously, if it's a cluster, that's one project, but I'm counting the number of schools. Um, why I am really very excited about the way this is going, we're called Classics for All. Uh, we've all been hit over the head for years with the idea that Classics is an elite subject. Not when you do it through Classics for All. Not only are we in some of the worst schools in the country in terms of the social background and the um, number, if one classic test is free school meals, another is English as a second language. Um, but within those schools, we're teaching the whole ability range. Often, uh, the teaching of classics is seen as something that's aimed at the gifted and talented, an educational expression that's now actually been dropped, but it's a way of challenging the better students. Uh, in fact, it's working extremely well for the less able as well. Um, all schools are under the cosh from Ofsted, as we all know from the newspapers. One of the things that Ofsted look for, it's an acronym, I'm not an educationist myself, so this is new to me, but hands up, who knows what SPAG means? <laughs> quite a few, quite a few. It stands for spelling, punctuation, and grammar. And it's at the back end of the ability range that this is most troublesome. So for a head teacher to be able to say, actually, I've got a fast track 
to doing better at SPAG, <laughs> or my SPAG score next time Ofsted come round, is as attractive as saying I'm really challenging my more able children as well. Um, the reason, I think, why um, these projects are sustainable, are getting embedded in the schools, is first and foremost, um, learning, say, Latin through the very splendid modern textbooks, minimus at um, uh, primary level, Cambridge School Latin course at the secondary level. It's fun. The children love it. When I've been in classes, this is a far cry from Caesar's Gallic Wars and <laughs> uh, Kennedy's eating primer. Uh, although I did hear the other day that somebody on Desert Island Disc wanted to take Kennedy with them <laughs> as, as their luxury. Of course, I know who that was. Um, so um, the children are having fun. The thing that interested me was so are the teachers. Now these are teachers who are typically, their main topic is French, English, whatever, German. And they're having a ball because these are mid-career people who now are going back to add another string to their bow. Uh, I will draw your attention to the Times article. Some of you may have picked it up. That particular teacher, David Hogg, hadn't even done GCSE Latin. He had to learn Latin from scratch in order to teach his English student. Mm. And he went to um, a colleague and did six months' worth of learning Latin in between his day job. And he's sort of been co-learning Latin with his students. It's, it's a wonderful story. But even when children and teachers are having fun, it doesn't, doesn't follow that this is what a head teacher actually wants for his or her school. <laughs> because they are under enormous pressures uh, uh, about crowded timetables and all the other things, what gets you the most score. And it's worth saying one of the problems for Latin is it's the single most difficult GCSE. So if I'm a head teacher and I want my points, why am I going to put my children in for it? And so I was fascinated to talk to the head teacher of our Norfolk cluster. And she said, what well, she mentioned the spag point, she mentioned the fun point, but she mentioned another point I'd never thought of which is that at her last open day, she had twice as many parents coming from the primary schools as previously. Why is that? Because the children in the primary schools want to continue doing Latin. And it's very competitive in, uh, among the secondary schools to get the pick of the children. And so in marketing terms, some of you from the business world, you've now got a USP, a selling point for your school, if you can offer Latin uh, or, or, or classical subjects. And in Norfolk, it's no accident that we're now getting a ripple effect. So the cluster is around North Walsham, and the primary schools in and around North Walsham, about eight of them. But now it's spread to Durham and Aylsham uh, like um, a disease, <laughs> the best kind of disease. And the other thing I would just say about why it's working well, it's very good value for money. We can give uh, the Norfolk cluster, I think we gave them 10,000 pounds. That's a lot of schools and a lot of children. Um, and if you do it on a cost per head, it's very cost effective. 
so I come to my peroration. Um, well, two things, really, uh, I want to say. One is, um, uh, outside there are three kinds of handout, and some of you may have picked them up already. Um, one is a leaflet aimed at teachers, headed grants. So it's about what is involved in applying for a grant. And I don't know how many teachers there are in the school, in, in here today, who might think of, because um, you would already be teaching classics in your school, <coughs> but you might have neighbors, neighboring schools or primary schools feeding you if you're a secondary school. Think of turning your, what you're doing into a cluster um, of uh, including some of your feeder schools. Equally, all of us in the room will know teachers to whom we can mention the idea. And so the more teachers you know, please take more leaflets. As for the rest of you, that's where the donation leaflet comes <laughs> in. And that's, this looks like that, uh, which repeats um, some of the things I'm saying. And it isn't just donations. Anyone who would like to get involved, we're in the process of setting up um, what I might call cheerleading groups. We have a very active group in London, which uh, last week we um, gave a, a organized a tremendous concert. It was our third event. We had a lecture around the Pompeii exhibition last summer. Um, so any of who are Londoners uh, have a word, and uh, I'll, I'll enroll you in that. But I'm very keen, we're, we're still very early days, to, that, that we do something similar in other um, main areas, particularly where we're already very active, like Birmingham, Bristol, Liverpool, Cambridge. Um, I hope I've conveyed a sense of my personal uh, sense of excitement about this. I think it's a very exciting initiative, um, which uh, is showing early success. I describe this as a child, actually, four years old, we're just coming out of childhood into adolescence, so it's a journey. We're learning as we go. In educational terms, we've just left key stage two, we're now in case stage three. Uh, GCSE is at least a year away. <laughs> now, if I stop there just to see if there's a couple of questions, but I don't want to hold up getting on to Bethany as soon as possible, so any questions? Yes. Um, you mentioned a range of outcomes of from um, extracurricular enrichment programs to um, GCSE. What is your target within the school as to what the outcome should be? Because that's quite a big range of potential yeah. exposure we're, we're, to classics. We're at the stage of um, the, 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 is it a hundred or a thousand flowers that blew, you know. Mm. Um, and we're, we're not saying there has to be a model. If it's, we would like it to be embedded in the curriculum, that's plan A. But um, it's very difficult, actually, say, Greek in Tooting, which is a place for it to get into the curriculum at the expense of something. Um, so that's part of the enrichment program, but it's led by such uh, inspired people. We are confident, as they were when they brought the project to us, that it will remain, and they continue to teach something like 10 uh, students at a time. So we're now in the third year of it. Um, so that's going along. But there is another model I might have mentioned. Uh, the, um, actually, this school, Kelmscott, in Walthamstow, where 
it was very much led in the first instance by the head of English, uh, Lucy Dalton, who, um, sorry, no, it wasn't this school, it was another school, where um, it was the head of French who um, has found that time of the, the, in the French curriculum <coughs> given up to some time for Latin makes the kids better at French than they would have been with the same time doing French. And to the point where in that age group, key stage three, which is roughly 11 to 13, um, the children doing Latin in that cohort are two levels of attainment better at French, at French than those who haven't. So, I mean, embedding is, uh, I mean, it, it's so far along as a piece of string, but uh, what we haven't had is a project that simply they've given up. Um, I just wonder, you've identified, I think, improvements in grammar, and also from the earlier exchanges, I think some improvements in concepts of integration from studying classics. <coughs> Will you be thinking in due course about developing a, a wider metric which can feed into, as it were, the Ofsted assessment? Um, in the hope that you'll be able to demonstrate that this doesn't just deal with specific issues, it does actually raise the overall education attainment of a school to the point at which you'd actually get head teachers <coughs> wanting to do it um, across the board because it just makes for a better school. More effective. Yeah. Yes. Um, two things. I should have said, uh, I did rather concentrate on the more utilitarian aspects like the SPAG or. Uh, yeah and indeed employability for school leavers. Um, but of course what we're doing is opening up the whole cultural hinterland of um, Greek myth of which we're um, all the way through uh, to give children a much greater sense. And it is worth, uh, I didn't really realize this, that actually at key stage two, this is the second half of primary school, it's um, part of the national curriculum compulsory that you study the ancient Greeks and the Romans, typically um, Roman Britain. So you've actually already got a bit of a base for doing that here. Um, as to whether you could do some kind of controlled experiment, this is extremely interesting. And if any of you saw Chris Pelling's article in the Sunday Times about a month ago about um, uh, the initiative um, that um, May mentioned earlier, um, he actually gave, quoted some American research, he didn't say, it goes back to the 1970s, about a cohort actually in Washington, D.C., but there have been a number of studies at that time in the States um, about how much faster you advance if you've done that in compared with and even doing another foreign language. You have to be incredibly careful, though, that your control group is adequate for statistical measurement. And in America, they are free to direct children to a control group or to do Latin. We couldn't do that. So there is no equivalent here. And it's very hard, actually, to see how in a British school we could get a control group that would give something that was statistically valid. So, but in practice, I'm relying on the anecdotal, because when you hear these teachers talk anecdotally, it's so powerful. 